The sermon lesson today comes from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shat- bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father, we live in a world where it seems like uh, bad news is all that we hear, and we are hungry for good news of reasons for hope and reasons for joy. And so this morning, we ask that you would speak to us such words as those. And it is in your great name we pray. Amen. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be journeying through a portion of Scripture known as the the Psalms. And the Psalms are really this mixture of poems and prayers and songs all kind of mingled together. And some of them are as old as around 3,000 Years, but they still have an abiding power to connect with our modern world. And one of the main reasons for this is they have this ability to capture the broad range of human experience and human emotion. That's why John Calvin called the Psalms the anatomy of the soul, is because they reflect and they tap into all of the different things that go on inside of us. And one way to think about how the Psalms work is to think about it in terms of of music. And like music, there is a kind of major key and there is a kind of, of minor key. When you think about major key, major key tends to be lighter, more hopeful. And so what you'll find is you'll find Psalms that express wonder, express gratitude, express joy and trust. So last week, we started with a psalm that was a very major key type psalm in 100. And so the first verse of that was, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. You can hear the kind of high note that that psalm presents. But we all know that that life is complex that we do not exist on some mountaintop always experiencing these high notes of joy and gratitude and trust, but life is filled with these dark valleys. And one of the reasons why the Psalms continue to resonate is because they speak to us directly, not only in these places when life seems to be going well, but they speak to us in these places of difficulty 
and of challenge. And so when you think about a minor key, a minor key is, is more somber, tends to express more sadness. And so you'll see psalms that capture the grief, the confusion, fear, anger, guilt, doubt, and even despair. And what's encouraging about these being in the Bible is that these are places where God does not keep His distance, but where God enters into our experiences. And again, that's one of the reasons why the Psalms have been held on by God's people as something that is beautiful and life-giving. And the Psalm that we are looking at today is one of these minor key Psalms. It is looking at life in a world that seems to be falling apart all around us, and it's asking the question, where is God and who is He for us? And so as we look at this minor key psalm, here's what I want us to see this morning. There are two pictures that are given to us. They are very different pictures, but they both capture reality and our human experience in a significant way. And then there is a response of how we respond to that picture. So two pictures, both real, both different, and then our response in faith. So first picture. The first picture that we get is that of life in a fragile world. So back in December of 2004, there was a massive earthquake that struck in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And the good news is, is, is that earthquake happens where nobody is around for miles and miles. There's no buildings. There's no immediate damage that happens. But the, the bad news is this earthquake caused such seismic activity that it created these waves that some would get up to 100 feet that would travel across the Indian Ocean and land on 12 different countries having a death toll of around 225,000. We've grown so much over the years in our technology and our ability to master our world. But that was such a sobering event, not only because of the, the high death toll, but it was just such a reminder that there's so much that is out of our control. So as those waves surge across the ocean, these people are helpless to stop it. There is no military force that can just go into these waves and stop the chaos that is coming in. When you think about Psalm 46 before us, it presents a similar chaotic picture of nature that is completely out of control. Look at verses 2-3. through three. The earth is giving way. Mountains are falling into the ocean. Waves are climbing and crashing. Mountains are shaking. What this means is life is falling apart all around and the people are helpless to make it stop. There are many different ways in which we experience this in our own lives. If you are living in Kiev or different parts of Ukraine, you have a very tangible experience of life all around you being chaotic, being dangerous, being out of control, and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. Day after day, think about the kinds of fears that you have, the kinds of questions, the, the feelings of helplessness. 
that you go through. But even if you're not in a kind of war zone like that, we all feel it in our own ways. When you lose a job, marriage struggles and even falls apart. You get an unexpected diagnosis. The death of a loved one. Or there's these feelings where it just, it just seems like everything is going wrong. Everything around us seems to be working against us. Uh, some of you have been through seasons like this, and you have stories to tell of it. Some of you are in this kind of season right now where it seems like there are just forces that are coming against you which you are powerless to push against. All of us will go through seasons like this. And the most common response is fear. So fear, when you think about it, fear is a kind of prophetic voice. Fear is speaking to you about the future. It is speaking to you about pain. It's speaking to you about confusion. It's speaking to you about what might be and what might happen, about what could be. And it's important to note that fear is never the voice of hope. Fear is always the voice of despair, of how things will go wrong, not how God will enter and make things right. And so there's a reason why the most repeated commandment in the Bible is God speaking into those places of fear, saying, do not be afraid. God knows our weakness and He knows where the struggle is for us. But it's important to note that fear is not just speaking about our circumstances and about the falling world around us, but fear is also speaking about God. Our fears are speaking about God's character. Our fears are speaking about God's presence and about His purposes. So think about what's happening in the New Testament lesson that was read just a moment ago. So you have Jesus who is in the boat with his disciples, and some of them are experienced and well-trained fishermen. It's what they have done for a living. They grew up on these waters. They're familiar with everything that happens there. These are not rookies. These are seasoned fishermen. But there's a kind of storm that rushes in all of a sudden that even has, has them scared out of their minds. Mark tells us a great windstorm arose and there were waves that were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. And somehow, Jesus in the midst of all this is asleep. He's probably just completely worn down by the, the burden of His ministry, the burden of His calling, the burden of difficulties. And in the midst of, of, of this situation where it feels like life is falling apart all around them and they're experiencing fear, they go to Jesus and they ask Him a very revealing question. Do you see what that question is? They say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Or, don't you care if we drown? Or, is it nothing to you that we are going down? Sometimes when you go to a doctor's appointment, they'll do this test called the patellar reflex. And what they do is they'll gently tap on the patellar tendon, which is right below your knee, and what happens? Your, your leg just shoots up. 
Uh, we call it a knee-jerk reaction. It's this automatic response to a certain trigger. Um, the difficulties and challenges of our life often produce this somewhat automatic knee-jerk response. Difficulties happen, and the knee-jerk reaction is the same question that the disciples asked here. Do you not care? Do you not see what's happening to us? Are you not here? Does this not matter to you? Because otherwise, this would either not be happening to me, or you would be doing something very different. But Jesus in Psalm 46 shows us such a different way. So that's the first picture that is real. We live in a fragile world. We live in a chaotic world. We live in a world in which the dangers are real and that it is beyond our control. But that is not the only reality. If that is the only reality, then there is reason to live in fear. And there is reason to despair. But the psalmist here presents an alternate reality that goes alongside this picture of life in a fragile world. And he he paints this picture of life with a faithful God. So look at verse 2 in Psalm 46. Even though the earth gives way, even though the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea, even though the waters roar and foam, even though the mountains shake and tremble, we will not fear. We won't be afraid. What's that grounded in? It's grounded in what you read right there in verse 1. This foundational promise and reality and says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Notice what the psalmist doesn't say. The psalmist doesn't say we won't be afraid because our God has promised that nothing bad will happen to us. Or we won't be afraid because God is going to give us a daily commentary explaining the whys of why everything is happening. Or God has promised that we'll never experience confusion or pain or loss. The promise that inspires confidence is that God will be with us. And that in His being with us, He'll be for us. No matter what. If you look at verses 7 and 11, these are identical, repeated for emphasis. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Think about it this way. There are 150 psalms capturing this uh, wide expanse of human experience. But at least 40 of them talk about God being some type of refuge or shelter or fortress. What does that tell you about the importance of this particular theme? And about who God is for us and what that means for us. It's a, it's a massive theme in the Psalms. And God seems to be trying to convince us again and again that He is a safe place for us to hide in. That He is this kind of shelter, this refuge. That it's not that there will not be storms, but that God will be something particular for us in the midst of those storms. I remember as a kid, we would go down to Central Florida where my grandmother lived, and we'd go to these different springs, and we would swim, and often they'd have nature hikes. And one day, I was about 10, we went on this nature hike in the middle of the woods, and 
If you spent time in Central Florida in the summer, you know that what happens is these, these massive thunderstorms just come rolling in out of nowhere. And this happened just in a few minutes we were in this nature trail, and, and all of a sudden just it's, it's lightning, it's thunder right there. And this is one of the most... Uh, this is one of the most scared I've been in all my life. I heard, and then we were running back, not just to get out of the woods, but we were trying to get back to this shelter, this kind of home base where there was a roof and there was a room we could get into. And we still, my parents still have this picture of, of us sitting huddled in, uh, cold, scared, but we were finally safe under this roof. Uh, that's what God is, is for us in the midst of that. Psalm 57, Be merciful to me, O God, for in you my soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings until the storms of destruction pass by. Not because there will be no storms of destruction, but God will be a shelter until they come and they go. But the question is, are, are we looking for shelter in the right place? I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Twister. It was in the, in the 90s, and they're kind of a group of storm chasers, and they're, they're trying to get as close as they can to these giant twisters in order to put their experimental equipment up in the tornado so that they can learn more about how they work and learn to predict. And... There's one time where they are finally able to get as close as they need to and they see their equipment go up and then all of a sudden they realize that this twister is turning on them so they start to run. And they look in the distance and they see this, this barn uh, and they think automatically, safe place, refuge. And so they run towards it and they finally get into it and as they look around, what they see is all this sharp farm equipment. <laughs> So there's mower blades, there's sickles, and all of a sudden you see one of these blades just fly by them and stick in the wall. And, and they look at each other and they say, this is not going to work. <laughs> and they start running for another shelter. There are many places that we in life try to find shelter in in the midst of storms that are more dangerous than the storms themselves. When the storms of destructions come in your life, where do you look to for refuge? What do you cling to? What do you run to? And is that going to deliver what only God Himself can deliver? Here in Psalm 46, God is pictured as this city, as a, a safe place. And normally when a city goes under siege, one of the things they do is they cut off the water so that it keeps you, you're going to eventually run out of water. You're going to run out of food. They're, they're trying to cut off life from coming into the city. But what's happening in this city of God where God is said to dwell in the midst of them? It says there's this river. There's a river flowing into it that it's bringing joy to the midst of it. Think about that picture. You've got this, this city that's besieged, powerful forces, and somehow in the midst of this city there's joy. There's life-giving water flowing into it, and God is in the midst of, of that city. The holy habitation of the Most High, we read, God is in the midst of her. She'll, she will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. When the people wake up to a new day of challenges, you know who is going to be there with and for His people? 
God. No matter what. But it's helpful to remember that this words like shelter and refuge is God trying to come down to our language to communicate ways in which He is for us. So He's not a wooden structure that we kind of hide in. Uh, He's not a literal fortress. It's trying to explain in ways that we hopefully will grasp that He is someone that we can be found in. So the Psalms put this in other ways of what it looks like to find refuge in Him. We call upon the Lord. We trust in the Lord. We cling to the Lord. We hope in Him. We wait upon Him. We cast our cares upon Him. Or Psalm 62, one of the greatest refuge psalms, says that we trust. We are to trust in Him at all times. Pour out your hearts before Him. For God is a refuge for us. But here it's important to note that this, this life, these two competing realities of fragile, chaotic, destructive world, faithful, present God, that is not forever. That is our experience, but we're not trapped in a cycle where this is our existence forever. God is going to break up that cycle, and you see hints of it here in this psalm where He's going to speak into the chaos, and you're noticing these weapons of destruction are going to be themselves destroyed. It says, He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. These are people who knew war in their own lives. They, they knew what these weapons could do. And God is saying, I'm, I'm going to break the bow. I'm going to shatter the spear. I'm going to burn the ch- Everything that is against you, I'm going to defeat and destroy. This is, you're not stuck in this forever. That I as king am going to bring peace one day. Now and forever. And if you want a beautiful picture of what that looks like, just go to the end of Scripture. And Revelation 21-22 gives us a beautiful picture of, of this peace. So those are the two pictures. Life in a fragile world. Life with a faithful God. And now the question is, what does that mean for us in terms of how we respond? All of this psalm is the psalmist speaking. Except for verse 10. And this is where the psalmist's words are broken in by God's voice Himself, which is a reminder that God Himself speaks into these difficult, fearful places. It seems straightforward, but there are actually two very different interpretations of what is happening in verse 10. And I think both are important. And both are true in that they reflect realities that are found elsewhere in Scripture. So I think we're on safe grounds exploring both of them. And whichever one Psalm 46 is saying, both of them find their grounding in Scripture. And so I want to share both and think about what it might mean for us. So the reading number one of verse 10 of be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted among the earth. It is a call for God's people, for us to be still and to know that He is God. So God is looking at the people He loves, the people who are facing challenges, and He's saying, stop. Stop. Be still. Remember who I am. Remember that I'm with you. Remember that I'm for you. Remember that I am your God and 
trust me. Let go of your fear. Let go of your fretting. And trust me. Harkens back to some significant times in Israel's history where they were up against forces that were too big for them to face on their own. And God tells them, He says, I will fight for you. You need only to be still. Psalm 37.7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. So this is a call for God's people like us to remember who He is and who He is for us. But there is a second way to see what's happening here, and that is to hear this call to be still and know that I am God as a call from God to a threatening and chaotic world to stop troubling His people. This is God not speaking to us, but speaking to everything that is up against us and saying, stop. This is the people that I love. You can go this far and no farther. You will not threaten my people. You will not have victory over my people. And this this particular interpretation finds some good grounding in what happens to Jesus in this boat. And so let's go back to what's happening there. The storm, as we saw, is raging uncontrollably. It's dangerous. It's frightening. The waves are crashing. The boat is sinking. The disciples think that they are legitimately going to die. And they question Jesus' care for them. But Jesus, notice what He does. He doesn't just look at them in the eye, put His hand on their shoulders and say, it's going to be okay. He doesn't speak these words of tender comfort. In the midst of that, He looks at the storm and the chaos and He says, stop. Jesus awoke and He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And do you know what happened? The wind ceased and there was calm. And the disciples were filled with a great fear and they said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Both readings capture something important and true about who God is and how He works. He is the God who brings peace to our inner chaos. And He is the God who brings peace to the chaos in our world. Jesus, the Son of God's death and resurrection, is not just about our being forgiven. It is also about God's victory over everything that is against us, especially what could be called this unholy trinity of sin, of Satan, and death. Of these forces and enemies that we cannot defeat on our own. And the Son of God comes and in His life and in His death and in His resurrection, He disarms their power and He has victory for us and shares that with us. And what we experienced here and now is a taste of the peace that will be full in the future. And so there is a call here to trust. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Let's pray. Our Father, we are weak.
uh, but you are strong. We are quick to question your care. And you are faithful to always show up. For all of us who consider ourselves Christians, would you help us to trust in you? Would our knee-jerk reaction be one of clinging and hope and faith? For those of us who are here and are wondering what all this might mean and wondering uh, who you are and what the death and resurrection of your son, uh, if it's true and if it matters, we pray that uh, you would help and that you would guide and that you would open hearts and eyes. Uh, We need you and we thank you that you are gracious and merciful, always abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Amen.